Hey y'all, hey, welcome to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we talk about all things adulting, our experiences as three Black women on this amazing journey of living our best life, trying to support each other as we figure out this ghetto world of adulting. I am joined by my amazing co-host, Nay and Sunny D. Hey honeys, I'm Nay, your virtual homegirl who thoughts on almost any and everything. Also, full-time parent, and sometimes you may hear my little one in the background of this podcast. Lo siento, I am sorry. To me, adulting is a game of whack-a-mole. Once you think you have one thing conquered, something else pops right up. Hey everyone, it's Sunny D. And to me, adulting is choosing to be your best self while that laundry piles up and the dogs chew on your good shoes. Yo, this is your girl, Nakai, and I'm your host of Where's My Blueprint Podcast. I randomly burst out in song, love ice, and think adulting is a beautiful storm of I get to do what I want to do mixed with what the hell did I sign up for? Thanks for joining us. Now let's get to the episode. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we talk about all things adulting while entertaining education and giving some inspirational thoughts and comments all about our experiences through our traveling adulthood journey. And so with that, we are in the new year. But of course, as always, we need to pay our bills just like y'all. So a word from our sponsor. So if you are a business owner and looking for a way to create systems to help streamline your business, check out ICL Solutions. It is an online business strategy who specialize in creating systems for businesses. Use the code WMB to get a free 40-minute consultation. Okay, so with our either or today, are you ready for this? So Nay, only eat one dish for the rest of your life. And that means it is already prepared for you and you do not have to wash any dish or cook it. It's already done. Or you have to cook every single meal and prepare your own snacks. Meaning if you want chips, you have to make them yourself. Which one are you choosing? Um, Number two, because HelloFresh, Green Chef, um, Blue Spoon, all those things exist in the world. And they come with meals and snacks. And when it comes to my palate, I get bored easily. So me eating one dish for the rest of my life, yeah, that's cool. I don't have to wash the dishes, but I'm going to get bored and I'm going to not like food and probably, I ain't going to say starve because that's being a bit harsh and dramatic, but I would just rather cook everything. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm glad you um told me about the other options because now you have swayed mine to... I think I'll cook every single meal too. Originally, I was like, oh, somebody else cooks it, does the dishes, and I'll just have to eat it because I can't be a creature of habit where I can't. It's okay for me to eat the same meal over and over and over and over and over. Um, but that's a good point, like bringing something in. And that's true because now I just realized if I do the first one, I won't be able to do the, what do they call them? Um, Pinterest trials or Pinterest fails of like you try to food on Pinterest and try to make it. So, yeah, you might as well just like, People are literally doing this in real life now, like with all the meal services and everything else. This is literally what people are doing. And it's more healthy. And you actually know what's going into your food. And when you do feel the need to veer off the beaten path, you have more of a you have more of a knowledge of what foods pair well together, what ingredients pair well together. And you go mess around and be a hood chef. Oh, come on, like a hood chef. Side note, since you said hood chef, have you seen that um new restaurant that, no? Well, I'm gonna tell you, there's a new restaurant in the States. I don't know which state it is called Prison. And so, girl, when I saw it, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. But it literally is a restaurant where you come in, you get a cell block, you eat your food in the cell, and then you leave. Like, I was like, I don't think I would want that experience. That's not for me. People want to be, like, in trauma so bad. If you want to be acting like you in prison, go to prison. Like, for all this, why you got to have the experience of somebody in prison? Like, mm-hmm. and no, in no manner does that appeal to me. Like, no, and y'all making a mockery out of people's lives. Like people in prison, most of the time wish they could be out of here, except for the ones that got, you know, caught up in the prison industrial system and they got that complex. But that's a whole another different story and everything else. But yeah, like people, that sounds like some white people ish. And I love my non melanated people. But sometimes y'all just be trying to be part of a struggle. And you don't have to be like, nobody actively chooses 
to be part of a struggle. I know, like, if life can be relatively simple, sign me up. Sign me up too, sis. Don't leave me about. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> I'm tired of the struggle life. I am tired. So when I saw that, I was like, who in the right mind would want to even experience what it's like to be in jail. Like, I'm okay. Like, the movies, the TV shows, that's that's enough for me. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Because I'm too bougie for that. And I'm, like, thanking God every day that I'm not waking up inside of a cell. Because as uh, Monique said in her stand-up comedy show, I could have been your cellmate on multiple occasions. So, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And with that, we're going to transition to our quote of the episode. We have two quotes this episode. Um, and that is the first one is by my one of my favorite actresses. Um, and it said, I'd rather regret the things I've done than regret the things I haven't done. And that's by Lucille Ball. If y'all don't know who Lucille Ball is, she's I love Lucy, which means the Lucy character, y'all. <laughs> and then the other one is regret is the worst kind of pain. It lingers on on long after the decision has been made by unknown. I think my statement and response is going to be true for both. I don't think when you talk about regrets, I think most of the time what you're regretting is the experience. So not the decision making that went into it. Like you regret either having that experience or you regret not having that experience. And I can see where it can be more detrimental to your psyche to not regret an experience because you don't know the outcome of it. Like if you already experienced it, then you can be like, oh, dang, that was a bad outcome. And I knew I shouldn't have done it. But oh, well, it is what it is. Like you already know the outcome. But yeah, those regrets of things not tried, things unattempted, those are the type that people's villain origin stories are created from, to be honest. But yeah, like I think those are true. You regret the experiences, good or bad, done or not done. And I love that. So you're already getting us into our episode. So I love it because you make a great point, especially when we look at like the fear of missing out, right? FOMO. I'm like, dang, man, I regret not going. Oh, man. And I think of like how the second quote says the worst kind of pain. For me, it's, I look when I hear that or when I read that, my initial thought was like, it feels like, and I say that because I have some regrets in my life. And like thinking back on it is like, dang, if I would have handled that differently, I wouldn't have to, the pain isn't like, oh my gosh, I'm physically in pain. The pain is like, it's a constant mental reminder of, dang, if you would have did this, this would have happened, you know, but at the same time, we don't know if I would have changed a whole entire course of my life for good or bad, if I did do, if my decision was different, you know? Yeah, that's why I kind of don't like the thought of regret. I mean, I have experiences not done, but there are certain things in my life as is that I'm extremely happy over and I enjoy it. And I wouldn't want to go back and do something to alter that and then Mm. not create those aspects of my life that I have now. So my regret in the regret is that I don't want to regret <laughs> what I'm doing currently. And so it's kind of hard to regret. And then it's like, I don't want to live life in the past and miss out on my present and my future mm-hmm. because I'm so like stuck in what I should have done, what I could have done. And I'm missing opportunities that could be better in this time or I'm missing opportunities to right those wrongs in a way that's possibly better because I'm more mature, like I'm more financially stable. I'm more a lot of things that I wasn't probably back then when the opportunity first presented itself. Wow. First of all, thank y'all, everyone. That's our episode. Have a good day. Bye. No, what you said is powerful of like how those experiences have shaped who you are now, but also not living in the past, right? And wishing, a, what is it called? A woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um, and was that right? Oh, no. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Oh, there we go. <laughs> 
But going down that lane can be devastating because like you said, you're always in the past. And if you're always in the past, you're not, like you said, you're not really in tune with the present and you're not even ready or preparing for the future. And so I'm glad you said that because I even think of like, for me, I'm gonna have to change my word now. Um, One thing that I wish I would have (laughs) done, and I think we talked about this on another episode was honestly go to HBCU. And like, I think about now, like, I mean, I could still go, go get a master's or PhD or something at HBCU. Um, But that's one thing that I think about because I see how and HBCU can help you in your life. And like, it just makes you, it brings pride into who you are as a Black person, right? You're surrounding yourself with all of these beautiful, melanated, educated people who are about to be doctors, lawyers, chemists, even teachers. Like, and it's so amazing. And like, that's one area that I wish I would have experienced. So that, um, I think the HBCU experience is a beautiful experience. And I initially had aspirations to do that, but consistent with a lot of my quote unquote missed opportunities or regrets, if you will, they were contingent upon somebody else's views, somebody else's thoughts, somebody else's, like somebody else helped inform those decisions that I'm not trying to scapegoat. I mean, I was fully in control of the end process and the indecision. But at those times in my life, I don't know if I would have been spiritually, emotionally, mentally able to handle the repercussions of damaging those relationships in any way as well. So I think a lot of times we make the right decision for where we are in life with the way that with the information that we're given and who's once again who's to say what my life would have looked like if I would have gone against so-and-so or if I would have listened to so-and-so like I don't I might have gotten to who I am sooner or quicker but I also don't know the hardships the additional hardships I would have had to go to gain that resiliency to gain that confidence to gain that outspokenness and I'm Once again, I'm not trying to put any more pressure, any more hardship, struggle for myself than I need to have. No, you said something that's so powerful, like others, quote, opinions on us as we were young. And to be honest, we were young, naive, and just whatever our parents said, that's what we were going to do because they were paying the bills. Shoot. (laughs) And then I think of like the power at such a young age when we um, interviewed AD and when AD was saying like when she was in foster care and she she was saying like she had to make a decision. I think it was she was like, what, eight or nine or something like that? Uh, do you want to go back with your mom or do you want to stay in foster or stay with your foster parent? And at that young age, she trusted herself enough to know I love this person, but I don't know why, but I, you, you seem like a better fit. <laughs> And decided a whole entire change of trajectory for her whole entire life. And I think about that because I, for me, I always go back to, we're always one decision away from the life we want. We're always one decision away from the life we don't want. And it's like hard, not hard, it's challenging when you're young and you want to do something that's against the grain, but you don't have that verbiage or that, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like a genesis qua, not genesis qua, like a strength to go against the grain, knowing that it's going to come with whatever consequences it's going to have. And so I think of like, for me, for me, when I think of it's like one of my past challenges instead of regrets (laughs) is like, I feel like I'm not living up to my full potential. And it's like, oh, well, okay. If you're not, then how can you change that? Because I'm thinking of like, when you and me talk of like, well, what what are you going to do moving forward? Like, what does that look like moving (laughs) and how are you going to change that right and I think of like the graveyard of how many people died not living up to their full potential or not doing something that they wish they could have did as simple something as simple as taking a dance class because somebody told them oh that's stupid or oh you don't need to do that yeah so two things one thing when you were talking about like childhood and going against the grain I think two of the greatest gifts you can give a child is agency and confidence because those two things can be so transformational and foundational into who they are as a person. If you have been instilled 
agency, which is like being in control over you and having autonomy over you, your decisions and everything else. And if you can have confidence in those decisions, like can't nobody tell you nothing. You can get advice and support, but it's not that hesitancy of, well, I'm not sure this is best for me or somebody else said it's not best for me. So maybe they're right. Or if I do go against what they think I should have for my life and do what I think I should have for my life, how how will they look at me? How will they treat me? Like if you have agency and confidence, you can be like, I'm going to make this decision. I feel like it's best for me. No, it might not be. But you can be confident in that decision and you can say whether you support me, whether you go along with me, that's a you thing. That has nothing to do with me. That's that's huge for a grown up, a little child and the little child and all of us grown ups. I feel like a lot of times we're healing through not having those foundational like building blocks <laughs> and trying to supplement our adulthood with those foundational building blocks with spackle, silly putty and played out in some instances. But also, what was the other thing you were talking about? I don't know. My brain just went to the analogy of like, girl, you better get some Gorilla Glue and uh, stop using that spackle and silly putty. <laughs> uh, not living up to your full potential. Yes. That reminded me of what Dr. J said when she was talking about imposter syndrome and like, the things that and that the things that are your full potential is that truly your full potential or is that a dream a hope an aspiration that somebody else put on your onto you because let's be honest it takes all kinds of people to be in this world so somebody's full potential is being a garbage man like somebody's full potential is like being a checker at Walmart like that is literally somebody's full potential and that's okay I think we put these hierarchies on occupations careers and everything else that's unfair when if you love what you do you're gifted in what you do that's all that matters <laughs> like everything else is something for somebody else so that would be my only thing. Like, what is your full potential? And is that something that you are innately gifted at? Meaning that God has put a special talent in your heart to do that? Or is that something when somebody on the outside looks at all of the visible characteristics that make up you that they can see, they formulate that end goal based on those things? Because honestly, what people see as us as people isn't the totality of us as humans. So what they see could be missing a vital component of you that could change the full trajectory of what they think your potential is. Your own life lesson and therapy session right now? <laughs> no, um, you hit the hammer on the nail, right? The nail on the hammer, is that right? The nail on the hammer on the nail. Okay. You hit that because that's true. Like no one really knows every single personality you have besides you, right? Because you are with yourself 24 hours, seven days a week. So, you know, when you got to switch it up, when you don't, you got to cold switch, you with family, you with people you don't really care for, you with coworkers. Girl, not everybody knows every part of them. Because mm. sometimes different people pull out stuff in you, like Sunny D was saying, that you mm -hmm. didn't even know was in there. That's true. That's true. Or maybe you're just not aware of it. Like, you know it, but someone else has to bring it to your attention. Then you don't know it. If you if you know it, you got to be aware of it. But sometimes I feel like, okay, let me explain. So like, if you quote unquote, okay, so if I typically click a pin and I just click the pin, I don't know why I'm clicking a pin, but I click the pin. You, I get in a meeting with you and you're like, stop clicking that damn pin. Why are you clicking a pen? And I'm like, I didn't even realize I was clicking a pen, right? My body is aware that I'm clicking the pen. Maybe it's an anxious reaction. Maybe it's like a nervous tick or something like that. Um, but you made me truly aware of it that, oh, shoot, you are actually clicking a pen to the point where I'm like, okay, now that's annoying. Does that make sense? Try to do like a, you're like, no, processing, processing, processing. 
I can follow, follow your example. However, comma, it leads me to believe people who are in like a coma or like a brain dead, their bodies can do something and can be active and everything else, but their brain shows no movement. So to me, it's along the same lines of, I don't know five plus one equals six until I am aware of numbers, until I'm aware of how many is five, until I'm aware of how many is one. Once I'm aware of those things, then I can say, I know what it is. But if I haven't been introduced to it, if I don't have those concepts in my head, then to me, I don't know it. That's like an educated guess. or just picking something up out of the ether. We have people that function that way. <laughs> but no, um, the way you broke it down makes sense to me. And in my mind, what I just said is that you have to know to be aware. And you have, in order to be aware, you have to know is what I'm hearing from you. A before K. You have to be aware to know. And in order to know, you have to be aware. I think awareness <laughs> comes confusion. first. We are doing no, to each I just other right think now. awareness comes first. <laughs> okay. So you have to be aware of it before you know it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have to be, sorry, this is really like puzzling me. This is like chicken and egg. It is like, which comes first? Because I'm like, okay, I have to be aware of something before I know it. But then I think of like, well, I quote unquote, know this person is my family but am I aware that the concept is a family? Does that make sense? Like you're my family member or do I know that you're my aunt first? Does that make sense? Maybe I'm making this more complicated and complex than it really should be. I feel like that's what I'm doing. Here's an easy answer. But when when it's all said and done, look at the definition. Oxford Languages says the definition of no is to be aware of through observation, inquiry, or information. And the definition of aware is having knowledge or perception of a situation or fact. (laughs) So they don't know. They don't know either. (laughs) So you got to be both. Because I think of like a baby, like a newborn innately knows this is my mom or like this is the person. But isn't aware that this is my mom. Does that make sense? Go ahead. Okay. So I just Googled awareness versus knowledge. And according to medium.com, knowledge needs understanding in order to become a form of wisdom and awareness helps you understand things better. Okay. I like the medium.com. There we go. Yay. We worked through it. (laughs) Y'all, these are our conversations for real. (laughs) It really is. It really is. (laughs) I'd be like, what? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Here's another one for you. Mm-hmm. According to differencebetween.com, awareness is perceiving, knowing, feeling, or being conscious of events, objects, facts, emotions, or sensory patterns. Knowledge is facts, information, and skills acquired through experience or education. I like those two better. So it sounds like I'm one sorry. is more left brain concrete. Mm-hmm. The other is more right brain, like emotional perception that type Mm -hmm. of thing yeah that's good because I think of like I'm gonna use this off the wall example and it's because I was talking to one of my uh, family members and we were talking about like just blaming other people for your situation and I was like well you can't blame others for something you chose like that's just how do you regret a situation if you made that decision but you put it on somebody else like that just means you're not taking accountability for your own actions and how is that fair that you put all the blame on someone else like that person is an adult you are an adult so y'all both are old enough to be able to function and get through whatever situation it is it's just told that family member (laughs) you can't regret a situation that you decided on or you made that decision to be a part of does that make sense? I mean, I feel like you can regret it because you can regret anything you want to regret for real. Like you can. But like you said, I think it's the accountability portion. It's a difference between saying, okay, what this person said, what this person did contributed to my rationale for making this decision rather than well, I just did it because somebody told me to. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like one of them is placing blame. The other one is for all intents and purpose, identifying a fact. Like it is a fact that I made this decision in partnership with what the information that I got from somebody else. That doesn't mean that 
their reason was the reason that I did it. But it does mean that what they said played a part in my decision making, right, wrong or indifferent. It could have made a part in my decision making to do it or to not do it. But it was a factor. The other one is just like you have, like you said, you have no accountability. Just like, well, they tell me to do it, so I did it. And then that's when people are like, if they told you to jump off a bridge, by this rationale, you would do it. Because you're just doing whatever people tell you to do now. You're a child. You brought the old school mama uh, metaphor in. If your friends jump off a bridge, you're going to jump off them too? And sometimes I'll be like, yes. And see, that's why parenting in 2023 don't work. Because sometimes that is the accurate answer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It means standing up for what I want and I believe. Yes, mom. Yes. I guess with this thought process of one thing you said of like everything you, every decision we make is based on it should not be regrets, right? Because it's based on the information we had, exactly what you said, the information you had at that time to make the best informed decision for you. And I even hear that in the back of my head because I think of like, dang, there are some things that in my life I would have changed of like, for instance, like living with certain friends. Like if I would have known what I know now, I'd have been like, "Mm, yeah, no. But at the time I only knew what I knew. So I based it off that decision, right? Mm -hmm. But also is you not making that same decision based on the fact that you made that decision to begin with. Ooh, run that back. (laughs) So you saying, (laughs) if I know now what I, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have lived with certain people. Mm -hmm. Is the fact that you can make that statement and have that thought now because of the situations and the instances that happen when you live with that person. So if you never would have lived with that person, would you know the things that would change what you would have done? Dang! No, because I wouldn't have known. And that would have like been a better friendship. Because I feel like some things you just don't need to know about people. Like, I, I believe that. Like, at some point, you don't need to know every single detail about a human being. Everyone is entitled to some type of privacy. Some things that you find out, because I do believe when you live with people, you get to see a lot more than um, if I'm just visiting. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, for me, communication. So I learned that not everyone communicates the same as they do like friendship level versus we live together level. And I think for me, I, and please, if you know me, if you're listening to this, if I am wrong, please tell me I'm wrong. Cause I, I am okay with that. I like to grow and I need to be aware <laughs> of <laughs> what I need to grow in. Um, but I feel that I am very communicative in every situation Meaning, hey, these are my boundaries. This is this. If something happens, like a random situation happened, I'm not going to wait until a, the situation happens again. I will communicate in a timely manner, right? Um, but not everyone thinks like that. And also it's been proposed, not proposed, it's been told to me that I am just more of a thoughtful, considerate person and not everyone is like that. So taking that into consideration too. But going back to what you said, like I would, I would not have the knowledge, meaning the facts, the actual hardcore evidence of how to move properly or I wouldn't do this situ- this decision again without having gone through the experience, the awareness. Yeah, because even with some of the people I've lived with in the past, what about their character and the way they move that was illuminated and shown during those times actually translates to other areas of mm. life. And so having that knowledge of them in this space helped me to make more informed decisions about our relationship and involving them in other situations or the extent of involving them in certain situations moving forward. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't have that experience, I probably would have learned that same lesson when there was something higher at stake which could have been more detrimental to me, them, and our relationship. So do you believe that every situation is here to teach us something or prepare us for something else? Almost definitely. It's all in how open and how in tune you are to finding those nuggets. And it's also realizing that that lesson may not happen immediately. 
some things are nuggets that are foreshadowing to future times in our lives where something can happen and be like, oh, I remember five years ago when such happened. That's what this moment was preparing me for. So it's just, I think, being aware of what you're going through life and like living life, being in tune with yourself and your moments and having that space to reflect. And I think a lot of people don't reflect and end up going through the same lessons too many times. That karmic cycle is not anything to play with, man. Listen, but I'm also a firm believer of the Lord will have you keep going through lessons until you get it right. And even when you get it right, he'll have you go through lessons just to make sure it's a part of your character. And not just you went through it so much that you finally got it right because you done the same lesson and I'm a believer that he also has you go through the same lesson in a different form to really make it so that now it is a part of you and not just a fluke new levels breed new devils different situations but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. listen I'm like trying to figure out how to pay my karmic debt because I was like I don't know what I did to whom whatever in the past but I'm done sorry please forgive me oh man girl did you anticipate this conversation going this way? I did not. I did not. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, I have my list of regrets. And then when you were like, they're not regrets, I was like, oh, well, maybe I need to look at my list again. <laughs> I mean, and how I take the word and my philosophy on it does not have to be yours. If there are things that you regret, then stand 10 toes down and that you can have regret. I just try not to but that's me like no, that's you, good. you can use your regrets as like I said fuel for your you know villain origin story or whatever or <laughs> fuel for your success that is that is one thing um fuel for success is definitely how I kind of look at it of um look at it now like for instance I did de- I can detach from anyone in a heartbeat like it's a beautiful horrible skill and I say that because it's beautiful in a way of like I can detach from you and in my mind you've never existed in one way in the bad in the other way the horrible way is like dang you literally just detached this person this person in my mind is dead to me like no communication nothing don't call me don't talk to me none not a Martha right oh some would say that's a trauma response (laughs) <laughs> and that's what I was about to go towards. I was like, some would say, well, that's a trauma response. And I would say, maybe, or maybe it's a boundary. And my boundary is just so extreme <laughs> that it looks like a trauma response. <laughs> oh, audience, this is why I could not be the kind of official therapist. <laughs> like, girl, we've got a sugarcoat every day. <laughs> but it's true. Like, what is a tomato, tomato? No regrets, challenges, you know, <laughs> or it could be like everybody blame everything on their um zodiac sign. It's because I'm an Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Oh man, but um, I do stand ten toes down when I say I do regret one thing, and that's like not having a conversation with two people prior to me, like having a situation happen, I communicated, nothing happened, communicated again, nothing happened. And I was like, okay, fine, Martha. One, because it's like, how many times do you reach out until you get tired of reaching out and you get nothing back, right? And then moving years and years or eons forward, their partner reached out to me and was like, hey, I really think y'all should talk, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, that person didn't reach out to me. So why should I have to do the late work? I've already done that. So so the person's partner mm-hmm. reached out to you and not the person they're in partnership with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my (laughs) thought process of like, well, why do I have to reach out if that person wanted to become associates or, you know, acquaintances again, then shouldn't that be on that person if I've already done the work multiple times? Like at what point accountability, at what point are you going to take accountability for your actions and move forward? But anyway, so that would be like the two things I truly regret because I feel like our friendship would have been amazing. But at the same time, God lets things happen to block you from things. Well, what is it like? Uh, Not everybody is coming to every level with you. And maybe that person was like not needed in this level that I'm 
the levels that I went to and the levels that I'm going. So, and I also look at, at it like maybe I wasn't meant to be in yo, you know, circle for the levels that you're going in. Like sometimes, I mean, I know that I'm the best thing to like spread, but I also know that some people need, you know, a bagel. They don't need sliced bread. So <laughs> my sliced bread would not be beneficial to their life if they need a bagel or a croissant. And that's mm. fine. Clap, 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 clap. And she making me hungry with these food analogies. Um, but no, that's that's good. That's good. I think that is a challenge for people to digest though, of like, hey, you're moving. It's kind of like the crabs in a barrel of like, oh, well, I was here on this level with you, but you kind of skyrocketed and now I'm not at that level with you. But it's like, could you handle the process of going and moving to that level? If you can't handle, what is it? 50, 50 says something. I forgot his real name. Curtis. Curtis. Jackson. Curtis Jackson. Come on, Curtis Jackson. You sound like he should have been a junior. <laughs> Curtis Jackson Jr. <laughs> um i forgot what he said on something it was like one of the shorts i saw on youtube but uh the essence of it was when you are when you have a vision for your life it's hard to explain that vision to others if it's not given to them and you have to make them see it which means cutting off a lot of people in order for it to manifest but in the process that you're manifesting your vision others get jealous because you kind of quote unquote left them behind but he was like did I really leave you behind or were you not up for the challenge were you not up to leveling up and growing to the level that I did because he was like this wasn't easy like I had to learn a whole lot of stuff like he was talking about the show power and he was like I didn't know anything about directing or anything like that but he was like I figured it out Mm -hmm. which I was like yeah and then think of the people that were with him that was like oh well I can do that too well what are you doing to do the two yeah yeah and sometimes you don't have to see the vision to support the vision now I know I know in the men's episode, we kind of got on them about supporting visions blindly and everything else. But also, like they said, if I don't understand your vision, or like maybe like we said to them, if I don't understand your vision, I can still be like, you go ahead and do it, boo-boo. I ain't going to give you no money. I ain't going to give you no time. But you you go ahead and do that, boo-boo. And if it is successful, I'm going to hype you up and clap you up because I didn't see it. But don't let my not seeing it be the reason that you don't shoot for your goals. And sometimes that's fine and that, that should be enough. Mm-hmm. Everybody ain't got to see your vision. That's why it's your vision. <laughs> That is true. God gave it to you. You, you. And that's true. Like, lesson from Nay. Support at the level that you can support and be happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that. And with that, we're going to shoot it back to Nay. So, guys, you know, we come up with all of the content, but this is y'all's podcast too, at, to some extent. So, please, if you have any other topics that you want us to delve more into, any topics you want to hear our takes on, because you know, we keep it popping hot over here. Email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or hit up that little drop box on our website at whereismyblueprintpod.com. Once again, you can email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or drop us a little comment, a little note, a little suggestion at whereismyblueprintpod.com. All right. So now we're going to transition into Moments of Melanation. Moments of Melanation. Moments of Melanation is where we highlight a Black person doing their thing. Today for Moments of Melanation, we are highlighting. So today's Moment of Melanation is, side note, I just found out that one of my coworkers actually grew up with him and knows him. And I know, and I was like, oh, so I may want to see how we can figure out how to do some, you know, collaboration. But um, so today's Moment of Melanation is Emmanuel. I always get his name wrong. Acho. 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 Emmanuel A. Y'all may know Emmanuel as the host of the groundbreaking, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite series on YouTube, um, video series called Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man. Or you may know him as a New York Times bestseller author or as an Emmy winning television broadcaster or most of y'all 
probably know him as a former linebacker for two NFL franchises. Don't ask me which ones because I don't know. I didn't find him from NFL. I found him from uh, Conversations of a Black Man. Um, But most importantly, Emmanuel has a voice of compassion and understanding that he uses to talk about any and everything. So I wanted to highlight Emmanuel for multiple reasons. One, because specifically when we talk about or we even look at um, certain things that happen in the world, um, or if you look at your regrets or your challenges, one thing that I like about this is no matter what we go through, some things have to have an uncomfortable conversation, whether that's with yourself, whether that's with someone else. But if you, from my experience, is that when I am in that space of like, oh man, what's going on, that means that it's time for me to have an uncomfortable conversation with myself. And those conversations are not easy. And as Nate said earlier, sometimes we got to sit down and reflect on what was my part in this. And that can be hard too. And so I came into contact with this man when, I think it was during COVID, but he did a conversation with like a full on, um, like it was interracial relationships. He did, it was around uh, a lot of the killings during COVID with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. And he sat down with a whole entire police department and was talking to them. And I thought that was so powerful. One, because that has never, in my, to my knowledge, happened where a Black man is in a room with the whole police department. And he said it in there. He was like, yeah, I'm uncomfortable because listen... <laughs> Y'all, y'all, y'all can get trigger happy too. <laughs> and I'm recording live and safe and I'm still uncomfortable because of who you are and the uniform you wear as the color of your skin. And so um, I just want to highlight him because for him to take on from being a football player to actually now I feel like moving in his purpose is so powerful because these conversations, if you watch them, they're hard to digest. They're not long. Like they're like maybe max 25 minutes. So they're not long. If you listen to it on B2, they're like really short. Um, <laughs> But they're really good conversations. And I hope everyone goes to the link that will be in the blog just to listen to at least two of them. So I haven't listened to one of his conversations, but I've heard about him. And the thing that I heard about him is that those conversations are very non-threatening. And like I said, I haven't listened. So this is just me regurgitating what I've heard. But as a Black woman who lives life as a Black woman, I find it really interesting. And I hate like using somebody's moment of shine to be a backhanded whoop whoop on somebody else. But I wonder why he's still able to operate and have these conversations when Z-Way, who is a Black woman, who unapologetically, she had a show on Showtime or HBO, and she was having uncomfortable conversations, but they were very much not in a non-threatening way. <laughs> she, Her conversations are no longer on air. Hmm. So I wonder, and I don't want to bring sex and gender into everything, but I feel like just like racism is in everything, misogyny and patriarchy raises ugly head in all sectors. Is it more palatable for a Black man to be the catalyst for these conversations than a Black woman? And if so, no shade to him, but I have an issue with that. Um, whew, I don't know who Z-Way is. I never heard of him. But that's a great question. And my initial thought is, of course, everything's more palatable coming from a man, right? And if you think of a Black man versus a Black woman, it's going to be more palatable from a Black man because in our society, Black women are not the favorable one, right? We are the we are the most what was Malcolm X said the most disrespected woman on earth, uh, or human, person. Yeah, yeah, person <laughs> on earth, and it comes with the level of if it comes from a black woman, I feel attacked. If it comes from a black man who, let's not forget, played football. So let's not forget that. Like who, I don't care about the books, but who played football? Oh, he knows what he's talking about. He played football. He's smart. Okay. My thought is, because I have not seen Z-Way, I am honestly happy that the conversations are happening. Um, Even if they are designed to be palatable. 
some of the some of the questions he asked, depending on some of the interviews, are to me like, mm, you better figure out how you're gonna answer this because mm-hmm. people are watching. But also, I don't know if they're live, if they're edited, or any of that because I think that goes into a lot because somebody could have said something where they were like, oh shoot, I don't want that out. You know what I mean? And he can be like, yeah. oh, okay, well, let me take it out. Versus it seems like Z-Way is like, hey, I'm going to ask the question. Whatever you say on the show, we don't edit. You know? <laughs> the red light is on. Right. Go for yourselves accordingly. <laughs> that part. Like us, when we record, we tell y'all, listen, y'all better tell us up front what we can and cannot talk about. Because if we head that way and you ain't say, tell us that, it's our intellectual property. But... <laughs> So we're going to add Z-Way in here too. So kudos to Z-Way and Emmanuel for having these both uncomfortable conversations. One that's raw and like, let's get into the nitty gritty and the other one that's more palatable for all different types of stomachs, right? And so- No, I was just going to say, you know, sometimes you got to get the more palatable out of the way in order to really have the nitty gritty. So I'm not knocking him, you know, like this has nothing to do with him as a person. It has more Mm -hmm. to do with what society lets rise to the top as opposed to him. Like kudos to him. I'm glad he has this platform. I'm glad he's getting these uncomfortable conversations out the way. Mm -hmm. Full stop. Yeah. I just want him to make more. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like they stopped. I'm like, uh... But I need you to make more. Well, I guess he did one eight days ago, um, especially about the war that's going on with uh, mm-hmm. Palestine and Israel. There we go. I was like, wait, which one are we fight now? Who's in war? Girl, Listen. the fact that that is even <laughs> a sentence, baby, baby. Oh, I'm just going to say maybe mm-hmm. as more people see these uncomfortable conversations happening on air or on the Internet. It will open up more dialogue to have uncomfortable conversations with the people in your immediate circle of influence and immediate like friend circles and everything else. So that's that's a great thing because uncomfortable conversations need to be had. They do. And I love that you said that because um, we had at work, it was called uncomfortable conversations with the LGBTQ plus community. And that was very intriguing and interesting at the same time, meaning um, the questions that they asked the panelists were like hard hitting, like, ooh, that's something I would only ask someone I trusted or a friend, you know what I mean? But it was uncomfortable because a lot of people don't understand what's going on, like the pronouns and all this. So it's like everybody needs it because we're in a, and I have to say, not we, but for me, I'm in a position where if a student tells me one day they want to be a he, the next day they want to be a she, the next day they want to be a they, I have to respect all that every single day. But as an admin, it's like, well, how do I know what to address you as if everything keeps changing day to day? And so that was one of the questions. And so it was just very fascinating. But of course, it wouldn't have happened if somebody didn't have an uncomfortable conversation. And I feel like one thing I liked about him when I uh, first saw him was like, these com- these conversations are hard to have. So I understand why they're in smaller time. Like they're not hour long. They're like, pal- like you said, palatable. I'll give you 15 minutes. There you go. 20 minutes. There you go. But it's, I feel like anything that becomes uncomfortable, everybody wants to stop because it makes them feel bad or it makes them feel guilty or it makes them feel shameful or it makes them feel like a Karen or whatever. And it's like, but you need to go into yourself and figure out what is going on with you that triggered that feeling of what's happening inside you. But no one wants to have the uncomfortable conversation. Everybody wants to stay surface level and like, hey, how are you doing? Okay, bye, whatever. But that's my tangent. No, it's a good point. Um, Very quickly, how did they say to address that situation on the changing pronouns? Because that is a very good question. So the answer I did not like was to always ask them, what are your pronouns for today? Which I was like, okay. And is that is that it? And they were like, yeah, just be respectful. Of, like if this person keeps changing every day, you just need to say, okay, hey, I see you're in my office today. What's your pronouns for today? And I was just like, okay, that doesn't help me, but sure. Because couldn't I get confusing during paperwork, especially if you don't do your notes that day? <laughs> like I'm just being super practical. Child, that's why my paperwork always say the student. You get no gender. Well, you're the student. <laughs> And that is also why I told somebody that I love and care about who struggles with this all the time. Just call people by their name. Your name is your name. Mm. 
Mm, yes and no. Because what you can't the just call person, because the person went by one name and then literally the next three days told me that that person wanted to go by a different total, like a different name. And I told the student that I was like, I respect you and I respect your name. However, the name I've been calling you since day one is one thing. So it's going to take me a minute to transition in my mind what to call you next or to call you this new name. And the student was like, okay, that makes sense. And I'm just like, Lord, I want to be called the most amazing, phenomenal, beautiful woman in the world. If we can just change our names like that. But at the same time, it's, it is what it is. That's a title, not a name, but okay, girl. Kudos <laughs> to Emmanuel. Yeah. Go, Emmanuel. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for that one. And thank you for introducing me to Z-Wee. I'm going to see if I can find her on YouTube. Z-Way. Z-Way. Oh. Her name is spelled Z-I-W-E. In my mind, I think she's Z-Wee. African. Um. But yeah, thank you both for having taking the challenge of doing uncomfortable conversation because that's a huge risk that you can do. You know what I mean? Like, because not everybody's built for those type of conversations and not everybody's built for what your audience member will say back to you. So yeah. Um, so thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all. And with that, we are going to kick it to Sunny D and she's going to let y'all know about the newsletter. Hey friends, can't get enough of Where's My Blueprint podcast? Join our free VIP community for exclusive WNB content, including a brand new newsletter, bonus episodes, and so much more. You can sign up for free by clicking the VIP is a place to be button in our link tree in the bio of our Instagram at Where's My Blueprint pod. Can't wait to connect with you. So for our affirmation today, our affirmation is the regrets in my life have sparked a new expectation of trying everything once. And with that, we say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Y'all can follow us on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Listen and read all them naysays at where'smyblueprintpod.com, where'smyblueprintpod.com. And with that, we are over and out. Bye.